Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be discussing topics from around the soccer world and giving you our unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by Dan Vaughn, podcast host and editor of Protagonist Soccer. We're going to run down U.S. men's national team's run of friendlies, the state of American soccer star, and more American investment in European clubs. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. How are you doing? Uh, Moby, thanks for thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. I'm looking forward to talking about soccer and uh, you know whatever comes up. I have a feeling that at some point we'll be talking about Christian Pulisic. I'm looking forward to that conversation. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Nah, respect. I know L was like, make sure you're prepared because Dan said he's coming with some heat for that. But we already know you're like a big postaxer because you're one of the few guests that has their own mic. Um, so talk about <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the microphone's really great. I bought it, and it's fantastic. Oh, you've been talking about the podcasting. Uh, I've, I've been podcasting for a long time. Uh, we start. I started podcasting. I was just talking about this yesterday. I think eight years ago, approximately, I started with an MLS podcast. So you're OG. You're OG yeah, in this game. I'm, well, I mean, you know, I, I wish I had the following to indicate that. You know, it just doesn't matter. Like you, it's I've I've started and stopped. Right, like I've had different uh -huh. projects, but the most recent project uh, podcast that I'm working on is Protagonist Podcast, which is actually a series of podcasts. Uh, we focus on lower league soccer, and when I say lower league, I'm talking about fourth, fifth division, UPSL, NPSL, and now NISA, which would be a third division. Uh, that's typically what we focus on, and uh, it is a labor of love, uh, but I enjoy it. I love podcasting. But I think it's, I think it's, I think it's the greatest like like media invention that's happened in the last 20 years, just because it's really democratized information, and anyone has a voice if they want a voice. No, exactly. And, you know, you talked about starting your podcast eight years ago. Um, but a question we ask every guest that comes on, when did you fall in love in soccer? <laughs> That's funny because, like, I, I know that, like, you know, for someone like you, you grew up playing soccer and, like, had a career in it and stuff. And I'd love <laughs> to say that that was my experience. But, like, my experience with soccer started the way I think I think a lot of Americans started with was with FIFA, you know, just playing FIFA oh. with my friends. Uh, this is back probably – like I said, probably 10, 15, 20 years ago, hanging out with my friends. I'd gone through a divorce, and so I had plenty of time. I was just sitting around on my friend's couch, and he was a soccer fan. I was a soccer – I was not a soccer fan. I was mostly an American football fan, and uh, we started playing FIFA. Mm -hmm. And once you start playing that, you start learning, you know, the clubs and who's good and who's not. And at the time, Manchester United was pretty much the best club in the world. So I would always play as United because, you know, yeah. it's like – baseball fans that are Yankee fans right like they're the worst uh, but uh, but like it was like that right it was just like yeah. it was playing with the best team and so you and then on top of that like at the time you know on regular broadcast Fox Sports would play those like Saturday morning or Sunday morning matches where they would show almost always Manchester United so it was a great combination like the great synergy there and so that's how I got into soccer and then the longer I and for a while it was just FIFA and then it became the national team because I, I just fell in love with the idea of like all of these players playing together on a team, but obviously playing in different leagues and different teams, but coming yeah. together for the national team that always inspired me. And so I even joke that like, I don't really have a club team now. Unlike many people, many people have club teams. I don't like, yeah. I'm a, I'm a national team guy. Like I'm going to watch the national team when they play. Like that's the team. Like I've got probably eight or nine kits that are just national team because that's the team I follow. That's that's amazing. And I know we're going to get into that later, but, you know, when it comes to your new venture, Protagonist Soccer, uh, give us its mission and like what it's all about. 
Sure. I mean, like protagonist soccer is about uh, it, it, we've got this section of soccer in the United States that's just not being covered, right? It's not talked about. It's unseen. There's no there's no uh, there's no highlight packages coming out. There's not they're not showing up on Sports Center, and and, and mm. most soccer writers aren't writing about it. Like the furthest down, most soccer writers or, or soccer media personalities cover. We're talking about USL and maybe USL League One. Even League Two is basically ignored at this point. Mm-hmm. And so there is this whole swath of soccer in this country that's vital to the development of players and giving players opportunities. That's building talent, but it's basically ignored. And so about two and a half years ago, uh, myself and a couple of friends put together this website, uh, protagonistsoccer.com. And the idea being that we would we would approach amateur soccer with a professional approach. And so it is it's not our day job in the sense that we get paid for it. We don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just constant grinding. It's writing stories on your day off. It's writing stories before work. It's writing stories after work. Uh, it's the podcasting. All that stuff is connected to that. And so it is we've grown a lot we're we're continue to grow because there's 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 interest there people want to know about this and the players that are playing within these grassroots and amateur teams almost always end up eventually the talented ones move up and so then it becomes who is that next talent? Who's that? I mean, I remember, you know, I could think, I think just it was maybe a year ago, whenever Florida soccer soldiers were playing through the um, U.S. Open Cup and beat a couple of USL sides. And there was like one of their players ended up getting signed because of that. Like that's because of exposure. That's because that player, that talent was there. Exactly. People just hadn't identified it yet. And so, like, what we do is try to write about the game, the stories, the players, the coaches, the teams. There's this whole I mean, I don't even like for people that don't know, like when you dig deep, there are hundreds of teams that you've never heard of crests, kits, like stories, players, like they're all over the United States and protagonist soccer focuses on that on a daily basis. So it's an exciting project for me. And it's something, like I said, that I've really invested a ton of time in. Uh, And so I do love it. Uh, It could be a kind of a pain on holidays. I joked. I joke with my wife, you know, uh, <laughs> this year before the pandemic got really bad, we had gone on a trip to Europe and we were in France and I was getting up in the morning and getting on my computer and posting stuff to protagonist soccer. It's like, hey, you're you supposed doing? to be on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't sleep. Like yeah. if I don't make this happen. It's, it's just, so, so at this point we, it's like myself, I've got an assistant editor, Joshua Duder, and then I've got four or five guys that write with us on a consistent basis, uh, all volunteers. It's just about like putting content out. And uh, so far, so good. We'll keep growing. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're twice as big in a couple of years and we'll just continue to do that. Mad respect, because that's what it's all about. I mean, I think when you talk about how you got into the game, FIFA, I mean, I feel like FIFA has done more for American soccer growing it than, you know, actually the like the stakeholders. So one and then you taking that and then building your own platform, um, giving others a a voice and a a journey that they could follow. So uh, kudos to you, because I know myself and Elle have talked about it a number of times that the true drivers of American soccer are going to be the ones that are, you know, stepping out and taking action. And that's something that you have done. I, I think, I think that if you're waiting for investment from, from safe money, it's just not going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about that later, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, you know, for the, for the entrepreneurs that are at the bottom of this game, for the operators, for the people running the clubs, for the players that are playing for free to develop their talents, like those people have to make risk all the time to 
to for the sport, right? To grow yeah. their impact and, and their skills and get better and better. And I see the same thing for fans of the game. If you're a fan of the game, like sometimes it's going to take sacrifice. Sometimes it's going to take work that, that, you know, maybe you don't want to. And if you don't want to, then maybe you don't belong in this game. Cause right now there's no money. Like, you know, the yeah. athletic isn't hiring someone to cover, you know, Nisa. Well, maybe, maybe they'll get to Nisa eventually, but the NPSL or the UPSL or, or even go all the way down. You talk about the amateur leagues, like Bay state soccer league, Maryland majors. Yeah. These are really strong regional leagues uh, in Atlanta. The ADSL like, is a massive league where there's, mm. there's thousands of players practicing, growing their skills that who knows what impact those will have later on and those stories need to be told and it's about like i always think man if i was a player playing amateur soccer and no one paid attention to me there was never a story about me like that's disheartening but how awesome is it like we do player profiles go in and talk to the players interview them and oh, that that's well, it, it, it's cool because like yeah. you, they deserve that. Like exactly. I know how hard they're, they're working. I know how hard that, like how much time they're sacrificing and stuff. And these guys are very talented players. They're just, mm -hmm. they're just at a level and they're working at it and they're looking for opportunity. And if my story is the thing that they tag on to an email to some club in, you know, Latvia or something like, so be it, man. That's great. That's yeah. a great opportunity for them. And, and, it, and it's for me as a fan of the game of the American game, like that's incredibly satisfying. No, that's what it's all about, because I feel like from a young player's perspective, those are the stories that you can kind of like see in front of you. Not always right. the, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic who was getting poached when he was 12. Like, or, yeah, the, that, MLS, or the MLS uh, super draft guy, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like there's so many different pathways, but if sure. we're covering like the top half, then it kind of gets disheartening, not only for the player trying to make it out or the young player trying to find like a Moby, journey. To I, would not, I, I would not even say it's the top half. We're talking about like the top 10% or top 20% yeah. of soccer. The vast, like we're like an iceberg. We're only covering yeah. that little tiny tip above the water. There is a massive body of soccer that's building talent. And that that happens at the youth level all the way up. And players don't magically happen. They're like, your skill started, you know, probably first playing in your, you know, playing at your school or playing at your like your middle school out in the yard and then develop yeah. your talents you play club soccer you work through that some guys go to college some guys go into like there is just so many paths and all of that is happening and most of it's being ignored and so we're trying to fill that gap perfect so from the other side for someone that's you know trying to get into this media space um, you mentioned like podcasts being so uh so open for anybody um yeah. first and foremost how do you manage all that yeah because uh, L, you know, he put it in the show notes. He was like, no, he's like, you might have someone that's working harder than you when it comes to podcasts. And <laughs> well, when we originally did two cents FC. I was like, this, yeah, we need to make it happen. But I was like, I need to figure out a way to make it happen. Cause so how do you do it? Well, how do I do it? I mean, it comes down to, I think first you got to believe in what you're doing, right? Like you mm -hmm. have to like, this has to be what you want. And that means, and, and you know, this as an athlete, I think I think that it comes down to like really putting in time, sacrificing and like, you know, my wife will tell you that like the days like that, like today I'm recording with you guys and tonight I'm recording another show with my own podcast, Nights to Say Nisa. And so like we're that kind of stuff is going on all the time. And, and, and as both of you know, part of it is post-production, right? So I've got I've got to edit mm -hmm. and break down my stuff as well. And I do all that as well. And then part of it is the booking and the working with your guests as you go mm -hmm. along. So that's happening as well. And other shows have, that's, that's three different people, right? The host, yeah. the editor, and the guy who's doing the, the, the booking. That's three different people on, on a radio show. Not so much in podcasting, right? It's all, yeah. you, get, you get, you get a really big hat 
and so it, it contains a lot. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that you have to follow your passion. And mm-hmm. um, I, uh, as, as a young man, you know, coming out of college, like I love the idea of writing. Like I loved it. I wanted to be a writer and let's be real. Like there's just that, that, time of writers getting jobs for the most of for most of us will never exist it just doesn't it doesn't happen like anymore that that media is dying and so the internet has kind of broken that 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 kind of a job and so the people that do this are the passionate ones who really want to make something happen and so you know the website is one part and so for me my general goals are to have a piece of content monday through friday on my website uh if there's breaking news i tend to cover that uh, I've got several writers that write with me, and and if they send me one article a week, I'm good. Like for the website, because I can fill in the rest, and I'm 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 a accomplished enough writer, I can do that. Uh, on top of that, and and the cool thing is, with a landscape as big as American soccer, you can find a story. So it's, it ain't like like anytime a writer tells me like I don't know what to write about, I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like open up Twitter and follow some people because apparently you don't know what you're doing. Uh, but there's that. But the podcasting, you know, for me. Uh, I've gotten better at it. You know, again, you do something for eight years, the editing for me, like I can edit a show now in 30 to 45 minutes. There was a time when that editing was taking me two hours, two and a half hours. And when you're doing that, like that is, that is a challenge. So you do the pre-work, you do the things that you can do in advance. And that comes down to like preparing your room, getting your sounds out, you know, the, the technical, you know turning off your smoke detector things like that like you know things things that you know as an editor you're gonna have to take care of you take care of those things in advance um you know i've got like i've got file folders on my computer that are like all my theme songs all of all of uh you know we do a couple of ads for people this is where your ads are this is where your intros are you keep all that stuff organized and set up and it saves you time later on uh, and I am not the most organized person in the world, but when you are spending as much time as I do it, and I also have a wife and a four-year-old, like you don't, you, you, I can tell my wife, I'm going to go in the office for four hours. That ain't going to fly with my wife, and I don't blame her. I wouldn't want my whole to, I don't want to wrestle with a four-year-old for four hours by myself. Uh, so I think that like the longer you do it, the better you get at it, and um, the more. And, and you know, I joke. I keep mentioning these two podcasts I work on. There's actually a third podcast, ninety plus one, which is my U.S. Men's National Team podcast, which we're just starting to develop with my co-host Damon out of Denton, Texas. And that's another podcast I work on. It's a U.S. Men's National Team podcast. So there is. I've never met a project I didn't want to run with and like, I'm willing to put the work in to get it done. If it's worthwhile, if it's not worthwhile, I ain't going to waste my time. And I think you also, that's probably another skill that you learn over time is that what, what's worth my time. What do I need to make that decision? Like I love that video games. Like I, I mean, I mentioned FIFA, but like I'm an Assassin's Creed guy. So I've been playing Valhalla that new, the newest Uh game. Love that Uh-oh. game. Like, love it. Like you trying to you trying to join Two Cents Gaming Team or I, 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 sign me up. I'm there. <laughs> I I'm, I'm not going to contribute much, but you know whatever. I'll explain. But like I love like Assassin's Creed. I love the tie-in of history and like action. Like I'm down with that. Like I really enjoy that. But then like you know I watch my friends play. You know they're they're given like five six hours a night to this stuff. I can't do that. Like I don't have that time. <laughs> so like so like you know I I've played FIFA now with like guys that are you know half my age or you know in their mid-20s and these guys are murdering me like i played i played some guy from work and he beat me 11 to nothing and the last goal was scored by his keeper like come on man what are you scoring with your keeper for what disrespect there's no reason for that you do not need to do that to an old man like myself that's not right that's not fair and uh but 
I'll just say that, like, again, it comes down to prioritizing. And if you believe in a project and if it is your passion, you're willing to make those sacrifices. And so, like I said, it's going to take me longer to beat Assassin's Creed than I would like to. And I, I didn't I told my wife, I was like, you want a PS5 for Christmas? And I said, no, like, I don't have time for that. Like, <laughs> I will next year, probably at some point. I always say when the bugs are out, like the old, old game yeah. systems always had bugs. But uh, but just like, I'll wait. I'll wait and see. I'll get there when I get there when I got time for it. But right now I don't. And, um, you know, the, the pandemic has been, I think, an opportunity for a lot of entrepreneurial. And, and when I say entrepreneurial, I think a lot of people think money making, but not just that, but just the thought, like the explorers, the voyagers, the people that really want to push an idea forward. It's given a lot of us time to do that because there's less distractions, man. Like I, my wife and I don't go out to eat very often anymore. Like you just can't, it's not safe. Um, you know, we work is different. Like it's just, it's, it's those things have, have freed up time in our lives and you can make the most of it or you can wallow in it and do nothing. And I would rather make the most of it. No nah, respect. That was like a masterclass on priority management, podcasting and all. <laughs> sure. Let like, us know when you're going to sell that course. <laughs> Hardest working man in American soccer right here. Yeah, I wish. I, I, well, I wish it paid off. No worries. <laughs> no, no. Talk about that. So talk about like the people that you've met through soccer. You know, you mentioned someone from, you, I, I assume you're not living in Texas. Um, you know, you're covering all these lower leagues. Um, talk about like the people that you've met and then people that you like some good follows. Cause you talked about like getting into writing and don't follow Carson. Let's just go ahead and say that. Don't follow Carson. That's a waste <laughs> of time. You don't need that. I, you don't, you know, I'm joking. Now BGN does good things and, and Carson's doing great stuff over there. He's a friend and I enjoy uh, messing with him. Uh, he yeah. does. He messes with me too, for the record, but <laughs> I like to wait until like he's in a good mood and then just zing him like on Twitter. It's good times, but yeah. Uh, so obviously uh, at protagonist USA is a great follow. That's our protagonist handle. Uh, that's where we handle. We would, it would be protagonist soccer, but Twitter don't let us have that many characters. So it's protagonist USA. Um, you know, that's a great follow because we're always retweeting and sharing stories from lower league soccer. It's sort of a one-stop shop for someone that wants to get into to, to soccer fandom and wants to find connections. I'd recommend um, non-league America is another, another great follow. Uh, Steve Bailey out of Chicago. Yeah. I think he was He's on had the him show on last actually. week. There yeah. you go. There you go. Okay. We tapped uh, in. We give, yeah, we give lower go. league love out here. <laughs> But but Steve does really good things um, with his uh, with his documentary projects, and I'd I'd even suggest looking them up on YouTube. There's a lot of really great documentaries that he's done. Uh, they're short mini docs. They're like 20, 20 minutes that you're going to invest and learn about a club and learn about what lower league soccer is about. I think he's a big follow. But I'll tell you, like I'll be real. Uh, some of the coolest things that I've done, and, and probably it's what I would describe as the pay. Like if I was going to pick a pay, it's like I've met so many like. I mean, I would say they're famous, like people just because of soccer. I mean, you know, aside from his crappy politics, but Alexi Lalas is a guy who I've met and talked to. Um, Marcelo Balboa, I've met him and talked to him. He's been on my show. I've got his number in my cell phone right now. Um, Chris Wondolowski, uh, like Wando. that's that that's a payoff for me at a mm -hmm. level like as a fan of the u.s men's national team paul caligiri i've talked to him i've talked to eric winalda like those are people that you know i see as like sort of like the heroes of the u.s men's national team program and being able to talk to them and having them connected i'll tell you the funniest story like i i love this story and it, it's terrible but so i was interviewing chris wondolowski and uh for one, I don't know if you've ever talked to Chris Wondolowski, but his energy is like 
like through the roof. Like he's yeah. like he talks like like a thousand words a minute, and like he's not wasting time. <laughs> if he can tell you yes or no to a question, that's what he's gonna do. And so it's like, as a podcaster, you know, I had like twenty questions, and it was like eight minutes in, and I was done. I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is the worst interview ever. Like, and, and not because of Chris, but just like I wasn't prepared for the kind of energy that was coming off of him, and. uh I got I got to the point where like I had exhausted all of my I had nothing else to say to him and I was just like uh, I said Chris you know I I know I talked a little bit about the miss against uh, against Belgium and like Ooh. I was like this is like a big deal for me and like I was like as a fan of the U.S. men's national team like I want to talk about this and like he was cool like totally understanding mm -hmm. and not like not offended or he's just. Chris is like, I don't know, like he's, it's, it's almost like, so coming into that interview, I used to make this joke about wandoing a shot. And Ooh. it was that idea of like, you know, you just pull too much power, right? Like Conrad against, against Wales, wando the hell out of that shot, like yeah. over the bar, like it was never going in, but man, you hit the hell out of it. Like, and I told him, I was like, I, I want to apologize to you. Like that, like as a fan of the U.S. men's national team and a fan of, of of the program and like and and how I felt after that match like I like resented him and like I'm not saying every fan gets that opportunity but for me it was an opportunity and like he he stopped and like again a thousand words a minute he stopped and goes and just real calmly like thanks man I really appreciate that and like for me as a fan yeah. like it was like real like I was sincerely apologizing because you know he never heard anything I ever said about him and like yeah. the insults I've thrown about 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 his game <laughs> but like but like for me, that was like really cathartic. Like, like no, I didn't put it in the podcast. I deleted it out. In fact, I actually clipped it out and sent it to my friends who know me and the things I've said about what I was like, you need to hear this. I want to show this to you to show I've that I since then. I'm a better man than I thought I was. But like <laughs> it's those kind of like those kind of moments are, are like the payoff. Like that that makes yeah. you and, and it's so cool, you know. I've talked to media types, you know, I know like Pablo Maurer, I've talked to Charles Boehm, he's a writer, um, talks about, writes yeah. about MLS a lot. Uh, you know, uh, Rob Stone, I've talked to him. Like those are lots of guys that I've met that the cool thing is like they're, they're, they're willing to help you. You know, they're people, they'll make connections for you because they're, they, they know you're like, you're grinding at the bottom and if they can help you, they'll help you. And those, those kind of connections, those kinds of conversations are the things that for me as a soccer fan, pay me for the time that I put into this because yeah. you end up talking to heroes, man. You end up talking to, and, and like the fame, it is what it is. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, I think about like Freddie Adu, right? Like we'll talk about him in a minute, but like his fame isn't because he was a great soccer player. He was a great soccer player as a kid, but like his fame is now because like, basically he was a big flop and like Whoa. that Whoa. guy, Whoa. The, I know. I know. Let's not, I know. Let's not well, go we, there. We can talk about that. Oh, but, okay. but like, okay, I'll be fair. His fame is that he didn't live up to the potential that people saw. I'll, I'll flop <laughs> is a hard word. You're right. Yeah. It's fair. <laughs> but what I will say about him, that guy played professional soccer and has played it his entire life. You know who hasn't played professional soccer my entire life? Me. Like I haven't played professional soccer my entire life. I don't have the ability. I don't have the level of sacrifice, the skill. And so for me, like when people. Like, you know, again, as a fan, you internalize it and you're like, oh, he, I say he's a flop. That That is an easy thing to throw around, but that's that man's life. And like, yeah. he deserves respect. Like, he's not some 11 year old now. Now he's like, you know, in his 30s. And like that dude played his entire life and deserves some respect. Not not because he ended up being the greatest uh, U.S. men's national team player of all time, but because he played soccer for his entire life and it has been successful enough that he's made a living. Dude bought a house for his mom. You know who hasn't bought a house for his mom? 
I have not bought a house for my mom. I mean, not because I got the money and I just choose not to, but just because I have it. I don't have it. I don't have the money. And so like there is, should be more respect in the way that we talk about those kinds of players. And so meeting people like that, that's the best, man. That, that is, that is the best. Like I, 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 I look back at some of those conversations like, man, that's, it's pretty awesome. That person's phone number is in my cell phone. That's pretty rad. No, nah, respect. We can see it. Like you, like you, you light up when you tell that. So respect. I know you got a that's actually a, a really good segue. Um, let's stay on the Freddie Adu topic, right? So, um, you know, the legend of Freddie Adu has grown over. It's, it's it's known over the years in soccer circles, and it's actually you know kind of resurfaced now. Um, he signed. Did he sign to like a Swedish club recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like playing that. in Sweden right now, like a lower yeah. division. Yeah, so he recently signed to a Swedish club, and um, your good friend Grant Wall um, did a podcast series on him, or started a podcast series on him. <laughs> Um, kind of telling his story. Um, so if, if you don't know who Freddie Adu is, definitely Google him. But he was basically supposed to be like the, the LeBron of American soccer. So he was coming up right around the same time LeBron was having all this hype, like in 2003. Um, Freddie was like, what, like 11, 12? He was super young, right? And he was supposed to be like the face of American soccer. He was like a The next phenom. Pele. Yeah, the next Pele, right? Um, and, you know, he signed the MLS at like 14 or something like that. Yeah. And like yeah. they were like basically, you know, relying on this dude to carry the face, be, be the face of the league at 14 years old. Like imagine that pressure. Right. Um, so my question is, is so it's like twofold. So like, why do you think Freddie never reached his potential? And then also, what is it going to take for an American star to reach those like LeBron levels here in the States? OK, well, I think I mean, obviously, that's two different questions. Right. And two. Yeah. Like big different questions. Um, you know, I think, I think like, and, and I'll tell you, like, Amobi might be better to even answer this question as, as an athlete, a guy that's played, like, he probably has a better perspective on this than like some guy that played FIFA on his couch, right? Like, I'm like, I wouldn't even begin to imagine the pressures that like a professional athlete playing in MLS or any other professional league feels on a daily basis. But I think that when you look at just the history of, of every game, like we've had players that were supposed to be the next, you know, fill in the blank. If it's Pele, everyone wants to be Pele, right? Like everyone wants to be Pele. No one's Pele. Um, but everyone talks about it that way. But but the reality is, is that like the work that it takes to be Pele is oftentimes more than players are capable of. And I think there's this combination of like, you know, I, when you watch watch sports, there's that cliche of like, he wanted it more. Like, no one wants it more. Everyone wants it the same. It's not like, it's not like, like, if I just want it, if I, if I wanted it more, well, then put me out there. I'll play in the World Cup, right? But I don't, right? Because I, no matter how much you want it, there are limitations on ability and development. And when you talk about an 11-year-old kid, like, like the changes in your body you're going to go through from 11 to, to 20, and then after that, you know, a lot of players, and, and again, as you get older, even the changes, you're going to go from 20 to 30 and then from 30 to 40, like the body changes and the players like Pele. I mean, we talk about Pele. Pele was scoring goals like in his 40s, right? Like this is a guy that, that just kind of played indefinitely. And that's part of like, we remember those World Cup days in the 60s and stuff and, and, the, and the success that he had, you know, prior to coming to the United States and playing in the NASL. But like Pele's career had effectively already kind of like it was it was coming to a close as far as like the 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 super high level of play. But he still continued to play, still continued to build his legacy, still continued to do all of the things that made him the legend that he is now. And all of those things kind of play a role. 
you know, Freddie was was really great when he started. He, you know, he had all of the poten- potential to be that guy. But I mean, let's be honest. Like, look at look at Lapla- look at Christian Pulisic, right? No, you, you know it's going to go there. I know you're going to go there. No, I'm not. Look, I'm not Christian Pulisic, that one. Like, no. Christian Pulisic is. We'll no. get. To, we'll get uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, injuries play a part of that, right? What club you end up? Look at. Look at what happened to Josie Altador. Ended up on the wrong EPL team that didn't have an offense that worked to his skills, and he wasn't able to do the things that everyone thought he was going to be able to do when he was there. And there are players that have gone to those big leagues from the United States that have been. Look at Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey is one of my favorite U.S. men's national teams. That is, by the way, the dream get, by the way. That's that's number one on the list. If I ever get Dempsey, he ain't going to talk to me. That's okay. But, like, like that is, like, players like that, the McBrides, uh, Deuces, like, got players like that that have, that have gone over there, been successful, they're, they're few. They're far between. And it is because the players that play in the Premier League or those top the Liga or the, the top, top leagues are the best of the world. And when we're talking about a single 11-year-old, like, like if I went to England, there's probably 30 11-year-olds that are on people, 100 11-year-olds that are on people's like lists of who's, who, what are they going to be? Now, I think that also in that country, they have tempered expectations as to what an 11 year old might achieve and how those people might flame out. But if you've got a hundred, you might get one out of that hundred. But if your chances are one in a hundred and there's only one of you, well, man, you got 99 chances to not make it to be, to be that one. And like, you got to be real about what your expectations are of a player that young. So I think that, I think that listening to a story and I'll give Grant wall credit first episode, pretty good. I'll just say that um, I'm not the biggest Grant wall fan and I have reasons. And if you want to get into that, I will talk about that, but, but I will say that his story, like the immigration story coming from Ghana and the things that he dealt with, like as a young man, like that stuff is not stuff that people typically point to. And so I'll give credit to Grant wall because that story is not one that, like that particular element of the story, I was not aware of. I did not know that that was, I, I knew that he was an immigrant, but like to what extent, like single mom trying to survive. All, yeah, I didn't know that stuff. But that also, like we should think about that. Those are pressures that are put on him. Look at the success Christian Pulisic had, who comes from a family, I know, right? Uh, comes from a family that is middle class, has the money to put him in club soccer, is doing all these support things all the way through, preparing it, happens to have the right passport to get into the right countries. Like all of those things happen to line up for him. Let's let's talk about it. There's also a black-white thing here, right? Like in other words, that Christian Pulisic is a white kid from middle-class Pennsylvania and has certain advantages that a Ghanaian um, immigrant kid who comes from a single-parent household who's just trying to survive does not have and yes he did get that contract early on but look what he did with the money didn't go crazy with it he spent money on his on his family took care of his family like he, he he's like the, the the definition of an immigrant success story and in that way let's let's credit him for that right because that is a success thing maybe he's not the greatest soccer player the united states has ever seen he's probably not in the top 100 greatest u.s 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 players ever but the reality is is that he was great at 11 and it just didn't pan out and we should i think that again going back to the idea if your chances are one in a hundred one in a thousand one in a million i don't know what those are when you're just one chances are you're not going to make it that that, that's what i say like that's and you know i who am i i think that asking athletes about those kind of questions are it's a it's a better route because I can tell you why soccer blogs fail. Okay. Like if you want to ask me about that, like I know why those fail because people aren't willing to sacrifice and work hard and but it still takes luck. 
it takes like it, it, it's about who you happen to talk to and who they know and i'll tell you like like all of those things are comparable because it's success in just a different field um maybe a less famous field than you know being a really successful soccer player but in the end that that's what it comes down to and like i think that like we should celebrate the life of freddie adu he's not dead right he's still gonna be, he's probably gonna become a coach at some point in his life let's celebrate that man dude made a living took care of his family as i you know as the podcast put it like his mom hasn't worked a day in her life since he got that contract that's awesome man i wish i could do that for my mom you know i, I couldn't so let's celebrate that yeah no respect uh, I, I i was like writing something so hold up a hundred a hundred men's national team players oh god if you're gonna ask me a name a hundred no no i'm not asking oh, you name. i'm just saying that's 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 tough yeah, like, you had Maurice Adu on the show, man. Like that guy, that guy yeah. is significant, right? No, I yeah. mean, I'm saying that Freddie Adu maybe didn't live up to the hype that we wanted him to, right? Yeah, that's but fair. Like, like when we talk about LeBron James, like LeBron James, if, if, if he could have been a great player, right? He could have yeah. been an All Star, and it would not have. Been, he he's won five championships. It's not good enough for anyone. No, four, four. That's not four. that fifth yet. I thought. I thought <laughs> Well, I don't follow basketball, so I'll just I'll, okay four. Okay, I know he won three with the Heat. He yeah. won one. No, he's won five because he won one with the Lakers, right? Uh, two Is with it, the Heat, one with the Cavs, one with the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, that four. He should he should have won three, but he choked. So uh, uh, we could we he could run. He should have won ten. Did he lose ten? He missed yeah, the, there you go. the whole. Right? Yeah. That's the perfect example right there, right? Like yeah. he should have won ten. We the greatest person, the greatest player in our sport. In, my, in that sport in particular, I think, is Michael yeah. Jordan, right? Most people recommend, like, Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, all those players, like, we put them in the top, right? Yeah. But we, we point to Michael Jordan and say, watch who we say, right? You're the next Michael Jordan, Kobe, the next Michael Jordan, which he yeah. was not. But the thing is, is that, like, like, how good does LeBron James have to be to live up to the hype with him, man? Like, that guy was, like, again – like not just coming out of high school, it's like coming out of middle school and people talking about yeah, this kid. Yeah. Like, how good could he possibly have been? And like, if if he had just been an all star, and like, you know, maybe had won one championship as a bit, you know, as a role. What if he was had the career of like Kevin Love, right? Who was like a guy that contributed and people knew his name, but like, yeah. like he's he's not in the top five of the NBA at any point. Like, yeah. we would we would point to that and say he was a failure. Look for at sure. Freddie Adu's life. Freddie Adu is like has been a professional athlete for close to 15 years, probably well, actually closer to 20 years. Not over half that, his life. Like, yeah, yeah, like that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. We should honor that. Like that's you know even if a guy plays six, seven, eight years, we think that's incredible. This is a guy who's made a living playing his sport, and we should celebrate that. And yes, he's not the greatest you know U.S. men's national team or U.S. player ever to be. That's okay. <laughs> that that that's all right too. Oh, yeah, respect. Yeah, I should uh, talk about basketball. I'm, I'm the worst. Like, I like, uh, my, my knowledge of basketball is pretty thin. <laughs> no, I mean, but you like, because Freddie's someone I played with, you know, growing up, going to residency. He was like the guy that everyone talked about, like, uh, Freddie in residency, all that. And then I had a chance to play with them. I actually have a funny story because, like, growing up, like, him being like African American, uh, African immigrant, um, you know, he had like Freddie poster on the wall. So then, right uh, once I started playing with him, the first thing I got did when I got back to my family house in off season, I was like, took that thing down. I'm like, how am I gonna have a poster of someone I actually play with? Like, <laughs> nah, nah, that's the first thing we're gonna have to fix. But yeah, uh, Freddie, like, he's crossed all the boxes. Champ, he's played Champions League. He's played for the U.S. national team. 
He's done his thing at the youth level. He's played overseas. He's played in MLS. Obviously, it didn't go as like as we all thought, but he's had a more successful career than 90% of professional soccer players. Uh, but when it comes to that situation, you know, being basically the man of the house at 11 years old. Um, Can't even imagine. You know, coming into money, like you're coming into money at 14. You don't have any idea how to handle that amount of money. And then you're coming to a team, DC United, that's stacked. They have they have a lot of good players and they're a lot of players, international caliber, uh, international talent. And you got a little kid that's coming in, making twice, three times, 10 times as much as their salary with a coach that, as we all know, Peter Nowak, you know, one of the greatest, in my opinion, one of the greatest coaches that I've had, even though he's a mad genius. Um, it's not the best situation for a 14 year old to handle. So all those factors kind of, didn't really help him like from the jump, but within that, he still blossomed. He still played, you know, he still did well at the U 20 level, um, still did well at the Olympic level. Um, but you know, I feel like that, that, that initial foundation wasn't, wasn't right. So when you compare him to like some of the guys coming up now where it's Tyler Adams, all right, cool. We know he's good. We've known him. He, we known he was good since he was 12. We're going to develop it. We're not just going to have him play with the first team. We're going to take him to our academy. Then we're going to play him with the USL squad. Then we're going to integrate him into the first team. And then once he shows out for the first team, we're going to sell him. Holistic, same thing. I would say, you know, uh, I'm going to be on that fact. Like, I, I, when I grew up, I lived in Cincinnati for about three years in the – this would be the mid-'90s. Yeah. And the Bengals suck. They have always sucked. <laughs> okay? I'm, a, I'm aware that they call the bungles there, right? Like, they suck, man. Um, and this was the era of like Jeff Blake. It was after Boomer Esiason. Uh, anyway, I don't need to get into nineties, nineties American football. Right. But, but my point is, is that the thing is they would, they would always draft a player and that guy was going to save the franchise. Yeah. And then like the Kajana Carter, the big daddy, Dan Wilkinson, these are names that are like, now we look back at those guys. It's like, Oh, they're like the biggest bust. And like, like the <laughs> Bengals have like the top five biggest bust. And, and, and it was because like, you have to let players like, you gotta let them breathe, like let the yeah. talent breathe, let them find their feet. And I'm, I'm so with you. Like, right. I, I feel like we're in a better place. Maybe we're not in the best place yet, but we're in a better place as a soccer community is particularly within the national league system um, where we're, uh, where we're actually like sort of the national team is allowing players to develop as they go. Yeah. And in some ways, I think that the benefit of the, the restrictions that the EU has as far as passports and stuff has actually benefited some players because it holds them here until they're 18. And so it allows them again, that level, like, like you're not getting thrown on to the, you know, the practice field with messy, right? Like in other yeah. words, if you're, you, like, you know, in Tyler Adams, he, he played for like Red Bull too, right? Like he was like yeah. taking his time, building, building his skills, like working his way up. And then like he was, and so I, I feel like that's a better approach to talent. And it also doesn't put the weight of the world that you're the greatest, you know, you're yeah. the next Pele. Like no one needs to hear that ever yeah. in your life. Like say it when I'm done, right? Like that guy yeah. was the, was the second coming of Pele. Like, that's what I want to hear. Not like you are that like, Oh, well crap. Well, I guess I'm tied up for the next 20 years, you know? Facts. It's cause like with Freddie's situation, it's not only like he has to take care of his family. He has all this money. Yes, he he's a young kid. He has all this money too, so he's gonna, you know, spend it on things that he needs. But then with that situation, they're blowing him up. It's like you got, and this is not like I know, like as a source, but I do know, like you got 
management telling the coach he needs to play. We are marketing him. He needs to play, even though you may have players that are already more advanced than him, developed than him, fit into the team better. But you got for commercials and things like that. And he has to do commercials on the side. He's doing interviews everywhere. Like my man's 14. Like you can't handle that. That's a mess. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, you got the foundation wasn't there. So um, if anyone's to blame, I mean, obviously he could have done a lot better in terms of his like work habits and stuff like that as he got more developed and um, grew up. But when you when you start off a bad foundation, things aren't really, you know, meant to uh, be built to last. So. So what's it going to take for an American star to reach these levels, reach these? LeBron levels, but and we're talking not necessarily even globally, but like here domestically in, in the U.S. because we don't have a soccer star here that has that same type of LeBron, um, Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? Like in every every sport has like their pinnacle player. Like we don't have that here for American soccer. So what what are some things that um, what's it going to take for one of these new stars on the on the men's national team to kind of reach that level? Well, I think that like you've got a couple of things working against you, right? Which is the best, the best soccer leagues are an ocean away, right? Like we yeah. know that. So like that's mm-hmm. part of the problem. Americans love to have, you know, like we call like the NFL. Like if you win the if you win the NFL Super Bowl, <laughs> the world champion. The world champion. Like what what? Well, what other what yeah. other country has an American football team, right? Like like I guess baseball can kind of claim that because there are baseball teams in Japan and Korea, but like but 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 again, the vast majority of the rest of the world doesn't have baseball. Basketball is up and coming. I'll say basketball is actually the closest outside of say maybe soccer. Hockey's pretty popular in most parts of the world too. But like like you could say like there's a couple of, of, of sports that are worldwide, but in the end the pinnacle league, the league that you want to go to is in the United States. And I think that that's part of the problem, right? I think that, you know, I'll tell you just to go back into uh, American soccer history, like there was a time and before any of us were born, even me in my advanced age was not born in like the 1920s where um, American soccer league, the American soccer league was, was drawing more than like baseball teams were drawing. Like they were drawing, like, like the, the fall river Markson were playing in Tiverton, New Jersey or Tiverton, Rhode Island. And they were, they were drawing 1500 or excuse me, 15,000 fans, 20,000 fans to their matches. And like, this is a time when Fenway park where the Boston Red Sox were playing at that time, they were drawing like, like four and 5,000. Like, so we're talking about like significantly dwarfed. And then there was this wave of anti-immigration that sort of happened in the late 20s, early 30s, as the as the Great Depression kicked in, and there was just this this movement away from anything that wasn't American, right? So baseball becomes the, the well, this is an American sport. No one plays baseball anywhere else, and soccer is oh, it's that European sport. It's the one that the immigrants play, and so soccer at that point, again at this time, American soccer teams were snatching players from like the Scottish leagues and the English leagues and bringing them over here because our league was the one people wanted to play for. Like, th- like the those leagues were filing complaints with FIFA because American soccer league teams like the you know uh, like Fall River, like Pitts, uh, like uh, like Bethlehem Steel, th- those teams were were snatching talent that was world class and and they were complaining about it. they were filing complaints with FIFA. That got killed off, and we've seen each time a league has started to build traction, it's been killed off. 
the sport is fantastic and certainly across the world it is i mean don't get me wrong obviously i love the sport obviously y'all love the sport we're talking about it but like we know that it is not yet up to that standard and even even our own domestic league is is out uh, out watched on tv by by the the uh, league mekis like that's because like it's more popular among mexican immigrants going back to the idea of immigration right and so like all of those things hold back what you're talking about, right? That ability to to sort of grow bigger than your own sport, be the face of a sport. And that's complicated when, like, I would even say, like, you know, a player like Zlatan or, or of course, I mean, you could point back to the original, right? The, the original Zlatan, David Beckham, when he came to LA Galaxy, like, those players were big enough to sort of penetrate the American media bubble and and sort of change narratives about soccer. And I mean, both of those players, I would say David Beckham to a lesser extent, just because I don't like David Beckham as much. But uh, though he is a Manchester United guy, I'm torn. I'm slightly okay, but but I love Zlatan, right? So I but like Zlatan came over and delivered the highlights that were getting into Sports Center, right? People are like, oh my God, this this is great, this is incredible. But the reality is, is that yeah, you're right. American athletes don't have that kind of flash, don't have that kind of swagger yet. Like I think that you need that player that I, I you know. You can hate Christian Pulisic, that's okay. But, like, a player playing in the best league, winning the championship, and, like, winning it in a way that he was significant to that. And soccer's complicated because there's 11 guys on the field at once, right? Like, you don't – even if you're the best player, you can't do that without 10 other guys. And I would even say, like, if you talk about basketball, like, basketball, like, LeBron James single-handedly can, like, make – the Cleveland Cavaliers won a championship, right? Even though they sucked. And like most people are honest that if you took him off that and you've seen what's happened to them since he came off it, uh, like they struggled after that. And I think that in some ways that's one of the things that holds this back because I would even say in baseball, like even in baseball, you don't see like this single one player that everyone points to and goes, Oh, well that is, you know, the figurehead for this. I can, I, I can look back in the past and like, I think about like, you know, I, when I was a kid, like King Griffey Jr. was like the man, yeah. like everyone thought he was like the coolest guy. Cause he was this combination of like young, real swaggy, like had his hat on backwards. Like you're like, Oh, whoa. and then he's like hitting home runs. And like, just like, he was everything that like every kid in like the, the, the 90s wanted to be he was like, Oh, I want to be King Griffey Jr. You know, I, I try to I try to look for that now, and you don't see that anymore. Even in football, like I know you mentioned Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's had to win. I don't know. I won't say how many Super Bowls. I think it's six. Am I right? I think it's six. Yeah, I don't want yeah. you guys to call me out after my no, no. Uh, after no. my LeBron James debacle. <laughs> uh, but like you know, like he's had to win that many championships to get there. And and what else? He also has to be like like kind of. I, I mean, I I don't think he's good looking, but like he's sort of like a model looking guy, right? Like people look at like, oh, look at that. Like, but the reality is that sport requires a helmet, so that you got to yeah. be good looking to shine through. So I, I just think that there are like certain things holding soccer back fundamentally, as far as like again the internationalists. I would say if the U.S. men's national team could get real traction in a World Cup, and I say now I say I mean like you need to make a pass group. Maybe get be 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 one of the final four. Like get to that level, then I think you see that because like when was the women's national team significant? It was right after that World Cup win. It's it's been after every one of their World Cup wins. People start paying attention to them. They start making the rounds. You get on TV. Let's say Christian Pulisic gets 
you know, this team through 2022, if his hamstrings hold together by duct tape and staple, but like he gets through 2022, we win, we, we get, I won't say win. Let's, let's, I won't be real. Like, but like, let's, let's say we're very competitive and he's scoring goals. And again, that's part of it. Like you've got it. Like you got to score goals. No one cares if you're the goalkeeper, the greatest goalkeeper in the world. No oh, one cares. Wait, wait. Like, Tim Howard got a lot of love after 2014. Yeah, among among soccer fans, was he yeah. on Ellen or was was he on uh, was he on the morning shows or was he on the I think late he was on a couple shows? I think okay, he did maybe maybe, maybe he was. But what yeah. my my point is is like is like we didn't like. It is. It is about. It's always going to be about scores. We know that. That's the sexy position. That's the one yeah. people want to talk about. That's that's why Zlatan is a big name. That's why Ronaldo's a big name. Messi's a big name. They score goals. They look good while they do it, but they score goals. And I think that fundamentally, it's going to take success in the biggest stage, which we can't do in MLS. So MLS is not the biggest stage for for team soccer. So you got to do it in club soccer, and you've got to score goals doing it. And then I think you could start to see at least some shift in the media narrative. And and that's the thing. The media narrative is tied up in money. Like we, we think like, Oh, well, sports center is going to cover whatever story it is. But like I say, sports center shaping the narrative sports yeah. centers, deciding what sport you care about. They're deciding what they're leading with. The, they have relationships with Disney. They own rights to the NBA. They're going to play. They're going to connect to that. That's what you're going to see whenever they whenever they come on TV. Why? Because that that's that's free promotion. NFL. Yeah. They're showing games. Why wouldn't they be pushing that? That's a narrative they want to push. Like so. Let's be real. That like it is when it comes down to penetrating like the greater media narrative. Not like not like these podcasts or these these web shows. Like like yeah, we're important. I think I'm very important. I think you guys are very important. But like the reality is, is that like penetrating outside of that requires like superhuman effort, especially when you got money stacked against you. Um, as, when the commercials aren't coming your way yet, like you just kind of have to work your butt off and it, it get, goes back to that grinding, right? Like as soccer players, they're going to have to do, like, I bet Christian Pulisic is more famous in England than he is in the United States right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with you. I think, like you said, I think the only way, um, like the soccer American star becomes like that guy, um, you have to do good in the world cup. So minimum semis, um, or even like Olympics, you got to do something on the global stage, and then from I there, the Olympic. I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not. It's your opinion. I'm not. I'm not uh, saying you're wrong. I think you're wrong. Uh, the Olympics. Like, <laughs> who, cares, who cares about Olympic soccer? Really? Like, who cares about that? Like, we send like a young team. It's never our best players because our could because even if you're even if you're age eligible. We're not sending them because we could send our best players to the Olympics. We really don't care. Like it comes down to the World Cup. Like the World Cup is what matters. I, in my opinion, now you need something on the global stage, and even outside of that, you need like that guy. He needs to be like a bad yeah. boy, like a pretty boy, or like he got to be dating like like uh like a model. He got to be dating like a superstar. He got to like he got to be in the scene somehow. Like so, when he's in the off season, he got to be courtside at the games. You need someone like that, and Western. we don't have that yet. Um, Weston, Weston, like he got that swag, yeah. Uh, and like when he when he plays, like he's like a dog, so people will respect that. Similar he, to like how he probably he probably plays the wrong position. Like oh, you need that all the what, things that we're describing. To play? I'm I'm saying he needs to be a forward, right? He needs to be scoring goals. Oh, okay. He's gonna score some goals. Like he's gonna score some goals okay, from yeah, midfield. He's not going to get enough touches yeah. in the box to actually, as you know, because I think you're right. Yeah. He's he got those things runs. that you're talking. About. And, and he's dating a pretty good-looking woman, too. 
Oh, I didn't even know that. But uh, he's making those little in the box, and then <laughs> um, like he's similar to like a Jermaine Jones, but like like how Jermaine Jones blew up in 2014. But I said that over and over again, that guy is the rebirth of Jermaine Jones, yeah. man. Oh, I love him. I, yeah, I mean, JJ so. was scary, but he was he was also <laughs> he was also really good. But he was always JJ's always that guy. Like when when you watch Jermaine Jones, he was either going to score the winning goal or he was going to get the red <laughs> card that put you, in, put you in the hole. Like there was one or the other. But exactly. but you loved him because like he was he was him. That's who he yeah. was. But, so yeah. that's like that's how it's going to be. Like those that's the only way. Other than you that, you're talking about the national team. I'll go crazy, man. I, no, I, I, respect I is that. good. That's all love. It's all love. But yeah, that's the only way. Like you need like world stage. This is a criteria. World world stage. Like you got to be like in the scene, like dating, and like as bad as it is, you got to be in the tabloids, and then you got to be like connected to like the other athletes. So like whether it's like the commercials or a course out at a game, like stuff like that. Other than that, good luck. Yeah, and it doesn't help going back to the idea of MLS. MLS is not quite to the level of those world leagues, the ones that we can yeah. point to across the world. And so because of that, if you're the best player in MLS, you're probably going international, right? Like you're going to go to another yeah. league. Like that's, I mean, Tyler Adams was in MLS long enough to sell his rights. Or well, I mean, I guess Red Bull shifted him, right? But like, like those are the kinds of things that Weston McKinney was in the MLS system long enough to develop and then move out. And yeah. that is... Like, you know, even 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 international players that have come here, like Almaron, who played in, in Atlanta United, like that's a player that came to this country really, I mean, was amazing there, right? And then eventually left. I guess you could point to Joseph Martinez as, as the opposite example of that, right? Because he stayed. But I, it comes down to, like, the MLS is seen as a transition league. It's a league where you can, like, show your wares and then move on to, uh, you know, yeah. a, a, a league with more prestige. And, like, let's be fair. MLS is 25 years old and there are certain aspects of MLS that are holding it back, which as a lower league soccer fan, I'd say promotion relegation is part of it. But, but I would say is that like, there are certain things holding it back from being as successful as these other leagues. Does it grow out of that and change? I hope so. But like, like I'll tell you, like, you know, all joking aside, I don't think we should have a draft. That's ridiculous. Like no other soccer league has a draft. Like that's that like even the idea of like like areas that where you're limited to who you can sign. Oh, like yeah. what? What are you talking about? Territory like, rights. like if, yeah, if you're willing to you you should like you should reward clubs who are developing talent and working their ass off. Can you imagine if Dallas wasn't tied to that crap and could just get out there? Because Dallas finds talent all the time, right? They yeah. can't they can't win anything on the field, but like they always find talent. Like let's let like if you let them hunt, they will eat. Like they will find. Like they will they will find yeah. the players. And like instead, like we have these archaic, like stupid rules that came out of like you know the mid nineties that we just like should be gone. But, and that's holding MLS back. Yeah, they'll be gone. They'll be gone soon enough. I think you got, got some guys up, out there in the MLS offices that are, you know, doing a lot of good things. So you got, you got uh, something I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to agree though. I think um, for lack of a better term, we don't have a player that, you know, walks around grabbing their nuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we don't have a yeah, guy who's that. like, like, like the women's team. They have players oh, who grab man. their nuts. Yeah, they do. You have, you know, you have Rapino. You know, you, her her swagger on the field is unquestionable. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. she's scoring goals. She's swagging on you. She's posing on you. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like styling on you. Everything, right? And then you even have Alex Morgan. Like, 
at the World Cup hitting you with the with the pinky against England. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have that kind of like aggressiveness, you know, on on the men's side who can like really catapult them to like that that stardom level. Like and, and that's what's sure. gonna get you the endorsement deals. Like that Facts. type of that type of personality on the field will get you the Nike looks. It'll get you the Gatorade commercial. It'll get you well, the other stuff, I mean, which will help raise your raise your profile. Think about Jordan. Like Jordan was not the first player to dunk, right? But he was that first player. Well, maybe not the first player, but like he was known for like the tongue wagging and the jumping from yeah. the, from the gold chain. Yeah, the gold chain jumping from the free throw line. Yeah. Like he wasn't doing anything that no one had ever done. He just did it in a way that just sort of like and people were like, oh man, who is this guy? And like that's what you need in soccer, man. You're totally yeah. right. Yeah. So let's stay on that though. Let's stay on the um the men's national team. So recently they had a nice little run. In Europe, he's ready. Uh, he jump up. Like. <laughs> they had a they had a two game friendly, um, two friendly games. They had uh, they played Wales and they played Panama. Um, so it was an all European squad this round. Um, they left all the all the U.S. based guys home. Um, so how do you think? So I'll, I'll let you let you start first, Dan. How, how do you think they fared in these two friendlies? And what like what are you seeing potential wise for this team? I think I think that like you know for the people that are drawing really big um like lessons from this like let's be fair like when they played that first match against wales they had one practice like who would be good at any system after one practice and we're, and most of these players had never been in there reggie cannon was joking afterwards that he was the quote-unquote veteran. veteran on the team <laughs> he's 22 like i had to look it up because i was like how old is reggie cannon he's 22 like so like Sebastian Legette was like the oldest. I mean, I don't know how old yeah. John Brooks is. I'll be honest with you. I know his hamstrings are thirty or or three hundred and fifty <laughs> years old. But, but like, like when we when like Sebastian Legette was probably I think I think the oldest player. He's twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty eight. So like, yeah. let's be real about what our expectations are. So to me, like when you watch those matches, what you're looking for are like general things that we can say about the players and like. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people are excited about Yunus Musa, which I don't think any of us knew who he was until he played that played for the press against with against Wales. And like, I'm sure that there are some 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 fan of like English developmental soccer is like I knew who he was. I'm like, well, okay, well, you're not here following the U.S. men's national team, right? Like, yeah. like he just wasn't on anyone's radar. And who's watching Valencia play right now? I, I just not that many people, I think. But my point is, is that like Yunus Musa is exciting. I think that like the things that the general things that you can you can take out of those friendlies is that there is a ton of talent, like raw talent, speed. Like I just watching how fast our players are, Dest and Cannon, especially in that second match against Panama. And I know Panama is not not Panama of old. Like this is a different Panama team, and they're not really very good. I don't think they were great before, but they're definitely not good now. Um, so like, like just watching how fast those guys are up and down the line recovery, watching Weston and Weston is like, uh, it's like a breath of fresh air, man. Just watching <laughs> when you see like that midfield of Weston and Tyler Adams, and then, you know, Eunice Musa and these, these friendlies, like you look at that and you're like, that could be the future they're moving forward. Like I, like I want to see the, I want to see those names on, on the board every single time we play a significant match moving forward. Now, we don't know what injuries are going to come. You know, obviously Tyler Adams has had issues with injuries before. Hopefully that doesn't come back. Uh, obviously, we could talk about the fact that Christian Pulisic didn't play in these friendlies, right? Because he had he had that lingering sort of injury problem. John Brooks only played one of those matches, and there's a reason why. It's because John Brooks is Mr. Glass. You know, like we have to be careful with this guy. I love John Brooks, right? Like he's probably 
probably the best option we have. Well, it's not even probably. He's definitely the best option we have at, at center back. And like the reality is, is that like we need to wrap that guy in bubble wrap until the next time we have a significant match because like I do not want that guy to go down. He's just too good. His passing is so good. It's like he basically makes like he adds an offensive player from the back line in a way that you just wouldn't expect a center, a center back to be. He's just that good. Um, I worry a little bit about Stefan, just a little bit, like, and not not because I don't think he's talented. I think he is, uh, but you know, this is a team that did have you know the last time we had a player that you could just write his name in was Tim Howard, right? And Tim Howard was always starting in the Premier League when he played there, um, and is a player that you know delivered on big stages and big big games. He was always there, and he stands on his head, and like you never worried about Tim Howard in the back line, like he he was. He was there and not only like not only there like in his own play, but also in the way that he directed the defenders in front of him and the way that he operated. He was just he was a leader on the team. And like I don't know. Like I don't I don't feel that way about Stefan. Right now he's a backup. Now you could say, well, yeah, he's a backup at what, one of the top ten clubs in the world at Man City. Okay, that's that's significant. But like my question is, is that like what happens? So he's he's basically at this point, so he is a backup, right? So he's not seeing match day action. Like, when does that become an issue? Does it become an issue at the end of this next season? Is it become an issue? Like, like how far are we going to go when it's okay for a backup to be in that position? Because he's just not going to see the action. Now, I guess you could say there's going to be lots of national team games coming up. So we'll just get him into every single one, and that'll be the action that he sees and hope that the talent stays and carries him through. Okay, fair enough. I think I think that, you know, let's get to Christian Porthick for a second because I do want to talk to this guy just for a minute. Like, to say that that guy is not, like, a talent at a level we've never seen in the United States is, like, it's foolish. Like, you, you're <laughs> outing, man. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't mean, like, disrespect to Carson or anyone else that wants to agree with him. I know you guys are just being nice, and I know you know better. But, like, this guy, <laughs> like – He's he is a he is when he's healthy and I that you could point to that and if you want to talk about that we can, but when he's healthy he is starting for Chelsea which is a top four club in the English Premier League so that means it makes them a Champions League club, and if you're in the Champions League you're clearly like one of the top clubs in the world and Chelsea has a history of having being a top club in the world and he's starting and not just starting he's significant to the level of play he produces goals he produces assists he is playing at a level that we just have never seen a U.S. player play you could point to Clint Dempsey and I, and I love Clint Dempsey so you could point to him and I'd be I'd be pretty much okay with that Deuce is awesome but like the reality is that Deuce was playing for Fulham like, okay, well, he's playing for Fulham. Like, like Christian Pulisic is playing for Chelsea. Like, this is not insignificant. And, like, guys that play this down, I really – I also want to – this is this tiny axe I've been grinding just in the background. Like, I am okay with – if you want to point to the, the problems in this country, I am 100% okay with that, right? Like, we should be honest about the United States and the massive inequalities in this country, if it's racial, if it's economic, if it's um, gender-based, if it's, you know, uh, homophobic, like all you, you nail those things because you're right. Like this country has a problem, like mm -hmm. big problems. And, and the worst part is that there's apparently half the country that doesn't want to admit those problems exist, which is even like kind of more disturbing at a, at a basic level, right? So you can't even see this. Like someone's dying of a gunshot wound. Like you need to admit there's a gunshot wound before we can move mm -hmm. on. Like that's the first thing you got to make a step on. 
but I would say this, that doesn't make me not proud to be an American. Like I am not proud of our government. I am not proud of who our president is. I'm not proud of our current politics or our, even our foreign policy, our history of racism in this country, our history of misogyny, homophobia. I'm not proud of any of those things, but I'm still, this is still my country and I'm going to celebrate that. And like, I honor it because I love the national team. The national team is awesome because it is this diverse group of of men and women, depending on who you're watching. And and we are starting to see, like, like if you want to talk about more equality, it, 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 we're seeing more black players actually getting active roles. We're seeing more Hispanic players, players, Latino, Latino, Latinx players that have not had opportunities in the past are starting to get roles here. We should celebrate that because in the end, like they represent our country. They represent the good parts of our country, mm -hmm. right? Like we should tie into that. We should celebrate that aspect. But I think there are like, there are people who look at this country and like can't disconnect and Lord knows, easy for me to say, right? I'm not, I'm not saying it like, like it's easy to do, but they can't disconnect all of the crappy parts about this country, which are, you have to face every single day. I'm with you and you should be fighting against these on an everyday basis, but we can also celebrate when something is good in this country. And like the talent level on the U S men's national team is at a level that we've just never seen. And so I think there is this automatic backlash against the United States and we take it out on the national team. But dude, look at what the U.S. women's national team is. It's this example of like strong, empowered women. Most of them are gay, by the way. So lesbians that are out there representing this country, absolute badasses that are owning people. And what do we do? They score too many goals. That's what we're doing. We're tearing that down because they score too many goals. And so half this country... That. Oh, you don't oh, remember when that? They, when, yeah, when they what score like them 13 goals. Oh, when they play Thailand. Yeah. 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 Uh, the World Cup. You know what? You, you're in the competition. You don't like it? Okay. Well, there's a goal differential now. Was the goal differential ever going to be? Probably not. But my point is, is that like we should celebrate when we're great. And, and I think that going back to that, I heard those same voices celebrating the U.S. women's national team. And I'm for that because those people are role models and we should celebrate them, especially when you see the level of activism out of these, out of these women, like they stand up and speak their minds in a way that like, boy, could we use some, some athletes to do more of that? Like, and you know, I think of LeBron James standing up and he, he, he says one or two things and people freak out and, and want to like crucify this guy. But like the, the women's national team saw that and they say, you know what, we'll double down, we'll triple down, we'll quadruple down. And every one of those players has stood up and said things that has brought fire. I mean, when is an active president like calling you out? Like how how crazy to be singled out by Donald Trump and Megan Rapinoe's like, nah, we're not going to the White House. Like, hell yes, you're not going to the White House. You're a badass. Like, you don't need to go to the White House. Like, and I can celebrate that. And so I think we should do the same for the men's national team, which is like, yes, we have sucked a long time. And I am aware of that. And I I look back to that, you know, I could think back to the matches that that USA versus Algeria match, man. I, I think about that match and how excited I was as a U.S. men's national team fan watching that goal go in from Donovan. I think about matches like that, and, and they give me pride. They give me pride in what this country can be, about what our players can be, about what they represent, um, the best of us. And it, and it is not I, – I don't think that you should ever, like, feel embarrassed about rooting for your national team. Now, you turn that crap into some jingoistic garbage where you're talking about, you know, nationalism. Well, I'm not for that. Like, I, I that, like, I'll decry that to the day, you know, day I die. Like, I don't need that crap. 
but like you should still be happy to celebrate your national team because every other country in the world is doing this. You don't think they've got warts too on when it comes to their foreign policy or their domestic policy? Like those countries also celebrate their national teams. Why can't we celebrate ours? So I wear I wear this. Oh, let's figure it out. Yep, I wear that yeah, badge. Wear with pride because it represents what we can be, not what we are. What we can be. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Okay. So I don't. So so I I don't know that. And we'll bring we'll bring the homie Carson into this. I don't know that Carson oh, I, uh, I, said said anything bad about the national team. He just said Christian Pul. He doesn't think Christian Pulisic would be guy. you know a top fifteen player. Heard, yeah, and and we got into that right top fifteen. Yeah. Well, top fifteen, like you can. If I make the criteria small enough, then yeah, Christian Pulisic is not that guy. But I don't like how many top fifteen players are there in. Like, yeah. well, I mean, he said 15. he wasn't world class. That was the thing. He that's said he wasn't world class. That, that was that's the yeah. word that I was going to point to. And, and you're telling like, me world he class? Might, yeah, he, he's a starter for Chelsea. And I'm sorry if, if he also a seventy million dollar transfer player. Um, he was a starter for Dortmund until another world class player kind of bumped him. I get it, but my point is, is that like. He's a player that clearly is what I would describe as world-class. Now, whenever you poke into that and you say, well, top 15, well, if top 15 is your world-class, man, that, that's barely a starting 11 is your world-class. Yeah. That's pretty tight, man. Yeah. Like, if that's your definition, like, you're drawing that line so tight that, like, well, like, well, I could probably I could probably name your top 15, right? Like, just, yeah. just off that. And then, what, do goalkeepers make it? Are we going to put goalkeepers in there? Like, I, I just think that, like, I just think that, again, we should celebrate Christian Pulisic for what he is, which is a great athlete that's showing well in one of the best leagues in the world for one of the best teams in the world. And that's incredible because we just haven't seen that before. And that's something to be celebrated. Now, you know, who he's liking on Instagram and stuff. That's not, I don't I don't celebrate that stuff. That's not. And again, at some level, like if he if he got more outspoken on that stuff, I'd, I'd probably have a problem with him then, and I probably wouldn't wear this shirt nearly as much. But uh, but my point is is that we should celebrate him for what he is and not tear him down for for being American. Like, Because effectively, to me, that's what's happening. Like, It's almost like if this guy was Spanish or French or you know Belgian, we wouldn't have a problem with that. We would just talk about him just being another player that's really great, that's playing for a great team. But because he's American, we got to tear him down. And like, kind of bums me out. Let's celebrate it. Like that's awesome, man. Like I came from Pennsylvania. Like I've lived in Pennsylvania. I'm not. I'm not Christian Pulisic, but like, that's kind of cool. That's that's kind of a uh, cool thing to celebrate that this guy's playing for Chelsea from Pennsylvania. No respect. No, yeah. It was, it, I was kind of like, oh, okay. That was that's yeah. a tough take when he said that. So okay. you definitely that's have spicy. to ask him. Now, now Carson has a, a lifelong enemy. It's all right. He's my nemesis now. It's all right for me. <laughs> all right. So so we're quick. So who do you think? And um, I know this was an all Euro squad, like of the U.S. based players, because there's going to be another camp with like all U.S. based players. I have a feeling. Mo- I have a feeling the Euro squad is going to be probably the main squad with some U.S. players sprinkled in, right? So who do we think can fit into this squad from the U.S. the U.S. pool? It's hard to say. I mean, I think right now, if you looked at the current squad and you said, "Where is there a player that's better than what they have currently?" It's hard to find the spot, right? Like, I mean, you'd have to look at those places where we're seeing the players that aren't quite developed enough, you know, probably at at striker right now, right? Like you'd say, well, Conrad wasn't quite there. Um, He might be someday, and he's certainly playing for a great team in Barcelona. 
he's riding the bench there, but maybe someday he gets in, maybe he develops and he's there. I think, I think that in the end, like you have to count on Burhalter doing some of the things that he's always going to do. So like anyone so that does it, artist, I, I, you, <laughs> I'll be fair. I want to be fair to Jossie. He's done what Burhalter's asked him to do. And that is, that should earn you a spot on any club's team, right? Like if you, if you are doing what your boss asks you to do, then, then why wouldn't you have a job? Why wouldn't you have the opportunity to come back and, and, and win it? I think Altador is still going to play a role moving forward. Um, we'll see. Again, I know. I mean, I know we talk about old. Like he's like, I think he's just barely crossing thirty. I think, but like he's not that old. But he is. He's gone through some wear and tear, and his legs ain't what they used to be. And he's he struggled with injuries at times. Uh, so I think that like I think you have to look at it as like we'll probably see those kinds of additions. And then I think like like we'll be real. Like we've got three different big competitions going on at the same time because we've got World Cup qualifying, we've got the Nations League still going on, and we've got uh, uh, the the Olympics coming up. So I think there's going to be all kinds of opportunities for these players to get in. And so we will see a lot of MLS guys. I mean, like, why would – like, if we look at how, like, Matt Miazga and Tim Ream played – well, why wouldn't she give Walker Zimmerman another run? Like, why not? Like, he's it, like, I mean, I, I for years complained about Ikopara not getting like more run with the national team because like he was clearly the best defender in MLS. Why not give him the opportunity? Um, so I, I think that there are those spots. I know that like Philadelphia has done a lot of development of players. I'm trying to think of that guy's name. It's not coming to me. Mark McKenzie. Thank you. Yes, yeah. Mark McKenzie, who by the way seems to be destined for Europe very soon. Uh, like, like, yeah, for sure. Like. Like he, like I think, I think that some some young players, probably players that we don't even know yet. I mean, I think that I think that you could also point, of course, to like Paxton Pomacall, um, will probably play a role as we move forward. I think that uh, uh, I, I think that there are those bit players, and of course, like let's not be let's be honest, Jordan Morris is going to get to play. Like Jordan Morris has played too well in MLS to ignore him, and does that mean he's a starter? I don't know. Um, does it mean that he has a role? Probably. I don't. I don't see why not. Again, considering how many how many squads we're going to have to put together uh, to play, and you can't put you can't put you know uh, Geo and and uh, Pulisic and McKinney and Adams on every one of those squads, right? Like those guys are going to probably. If I had to, you know, if I was judging the importance, it'd be the World Cup qualifying, and so you'll see them play there, and then we're going to see lesser squads play, and they're also important because who knows who's the next guy, right? The next guy to stand up and develop because Tyler Adams was playing for Red Bull before he ever went across, you know, across to play uh, in Europe. So, like, there are players playing in MLS currently that are developing their talents, as we've talked about, talent development, that we don't know who that next player is. And even as we watch right now, I would argue that just the size of the window still moving forward, there's probably players we haven't even thought about yet. They're going to be playing a significant role in these squads just because the opportunities are going to be there. Yeah, no, yeah, you bring up a great point. No, I think, uh, I mean, you got the Jordan Morris's of the world and you got uh, Aaron Long as well, Walker Zimmerman, yep. guys like that. Uh, I think you're going to see a new influx Aaron. of some MLS players, uh, Chris Mueller from Orlando, Matt Turner, um, guys of that caliber, obviously guys, Sebastian legit. Um, you always need some MLS core guys to be within the squad just to help, um, you know, with that transition when the, the World Cup qualifying, you know, what we're not talking about is that right now the games are with no fans, but when the fans come back and you're playing against Panama away, Guatemala away, uh, El Salvador away, 
um, is different than playing in Dortmund or playing in Barca or playing in, you know, England. So uh, with MLS, you have those guys that can speak to that. And, you know, as clumsy as Giassi is, he still scores goals. Um, So, I mean, that's effective. No one else is doing it right now. I would say Josie um, just to be kind of that, that transition leader. Um, But yeah, he got to, he got to be, he got to stay healthy too. So it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting moving forward. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you mentioned all those places. I mean, think about Azteca and, and oh, like, yeah. because, because L3 really is like, it would be a surprise if we didn't qualify for 2022, considering the talent and the changes that have gone through to the, the system, as far as the qualifications, we're obviously stacked to help people, you know, help the United States get through. Um, but, you know, I think in the end, how we play against L3 for myself as U.S. men's national team fan, I think anyone in, in, in U.S. soccer, like, that's who we want to beat. Like, I, I – yes, I want to beat Turnitin and Tobago again, right? But, like, <laughs> but like, but like that, that, that loss was unexpected. Losses against yeah. L3 are expected, and wins are the ones that are celebrated. Hell, wins are the ones that we say dos a cero, and we know what that means uh, just because of who it was against and why it mattered. And I think that, like, like that match ma- – I, I look forward to that so much you know in some ways that's why i hope you know miazga is on the pitch because that guy will go up and push some people around and you know when he big time people talking about how short they were like i'm for that let's swagger like, i want to <laughs> see Weskin take some guys down i want to see tyler adams take some guys down like this is like yeah. let's teach these guys what it is let's teach them who's in charge because l3 for better or for worse right now is on top over us and so and and they'll claim they've always been that i don't think so i can think of times when they weren't but but that's who I want to be, yeah. and I think Andy Westman's national team better be there with me there. No, All right, so real quick before we switch gears, um, who's the future captain, Amobi? Uh, future captain? Uh, that's Weston's Weston's to lose. Yeah, uh, it's just tough because yeah. I feel I, I got him over under three red cards in the next World Cup qualifying cycle. <laughs> so he got You got to be on the field to be the captain. But in terms of driving the team. Um, I'm not sure if it's uh, – yeah, I think he's that he's that guy. Him or him or Brooks, just because Brooks has been there. But those are the two. I I could not agree more with you, Moby. Like that that is my pick. And it's 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 if you listen to other podcasts that I've done about the U.S. Men's National Team just in the last couple of days, uh, same thing. It's exactly what I said. Weston McKinney. I think you staple that arm uh, that armband to him. That's it. He's he's the captain. Like. There is something about his energy and his drive, his communication, um, his ability um, and desire, and also his way to mix it up. Like he's going to get in people's faces, and and that includes our own players, right? Like calling yeah. calling out lack of effort. Like you need you need both of those. You need the guy that's going to go up and like really tell someone, you know, from the other uh, other team, you know, how much they suck. And I want someone to tell someone our own players that they suck too, because exactly. It, it, out of that it's about accountability and like inspiration weston is i i love the kid man i love him i love him so much man yeah. he, he makes me excited to be a u.s men's national team fan that's whose number i need to have on that's gonna be the next kid i buy okay i'm done my wife's gonna be thrilled about that <laughs> yeah weston brooks or tyler adams yeah yeah but that, that's all right yeah i'm trying to think cool all right so let's switch going. gears a little bit let's um let's talk about more American investment going over into European lower leagues. So we've touched on this several shows before. Um, every time like a new American 
investment firm or whatever buys into a lead, we usually cover it. Uh, but this one is kind of unique. So now we have uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob <laughs> McElhinney. I, th- I think that's how you pronounce his name. Are looking to buy Welsh Club Wrexham AFC, which plays in the fifth tier of English football. So it's like basically Sunday League, right? Um, and apparently they're looking to create a Netflix-style docu-series around the club. So it looks like the purchase was a potential strategic move on the pair by the pair to not only own the club, but also produce content around it that can boost boost the profile of the club and double as content that they can sell on to a streaming service. Um, so here's a quote from uh, Bloomberg says the Hollywood approach to Wrexham seems different because it looks like the perspective show is key to why they want to buy the club in the first place. So from a business perspective, buying Wrexham as a vehicle for a Netflix show makes sense. Since the club is now supporter owned, the two actors won't pay anything to acquire it up front. Instead, they pledge to invest, pledge to invest two million pounds in the club's infrastructure, playing, playing squad and facilities. And it's not unreasonable to expect Netflix, Amazon Prime, or whoever might acquire the broadcast rights to spend several hundred thousand pounds per hour on a show. So if we assume that the actors are able to charge 300,000 pounds an hour for an eight-part series, that could boost Wrexham's annual revenue by 2.4 million pounds. So as owners of the team, Reynolds and McElhinney wouldn't have to pay an additional cut to anyone else as the producers of the other soccer documentaries did. So they could reasonably look at profit representing 25% of that income or some 600,000 pounds. So this would handily move the club from red into the black as Wrexham's otherwise expects to make a loss of 300,000 pounds on revenue of 2.1 million pounds this year. So the owner's star power could boost the numbers even higher. So I want to get you guys thoughts on this. Like, do you think it's a genuine move on their part or um, is it just like an entertainment play? And then how do you feel about that? Like it being an entertainment play for them, but also kind of buying into this club who have is fan owned, you know, as passionate supporters, um, who are actually kind of supporting this move, right? So, I want to get you guys' thoughts on on that whole play. Well, you know, from my perspective, I, I think there's two parts to my perspective, and I think that I'll speak first to like what you what you were saying. I think that, um, I mean, it's I think it's I think it's it's cool, like right. This this is going to give a ton of exposure to a club. And the cool thing about the English system is that that exposure could lead to talent, you know, acquisition. It could lead to better facilities for the club, which is also going to attract more talent. They could grow and, you know, maybe they move up uh, several tiers. You know, I don't know. There's a limit. Like, I think that you have to be realistic about what your expectation is. But I also think that anytime you can bring attention to a club that is at that level, like it's going to bring good things for them. That's just clear. Like it'll just be opportunities. And so that's exciting. And I'm, I'm for that. And I also see the appeal of that, right? Like we, who would, who wouldn't, who does not have dreams of taking your club to the highest levels of English soccer? I mean, that's, that's something that everyone wants. And like, there are, you know, I, people invest money, you know, you get famous, you got a pile of money, um, you know, if you're Freddie Adu, you buy your mom a house. Uh, if you're one of these actors, you you know, you spend money on an English soccer club, right? That's I think that like it is it's for, for these actors, it's probably throwaway money, and I think that it's it's seen as like, well, I, mean, I, I say throwaway money, right? Like I I don't know their their pockets, I don't know how much. Well, it's money not even their money from the looks uh, of it, it's, it's right? Be... Exactly. So they're not even losing anything here. It's like yeah. it's basically it's like this is an opportunity to like get involved in something and then grow it and make some money off of it. Now, I'd like to speak to the broader 
aspect of this in the American system. But I definitely want I want a moment to get a chance to respond because I'll talk for 16 hours and then I feel like a jerk because like I'm like, oh, no, you're you know, good. Not, I gave you time to respond. No, like from it being like a genuine move, I think everything's a business. I think they've found a way to kind of circumvent the 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 regular process of getting into a team. Right. Um, if they were really genuine, it was like, yo, we want to come in, document the whole thing and like how we brought a team from the fifth division all the way up, then I'm all for it, if, especially if the supporters are uh, around it. But if they're trying to just like make a come up and like just be there to be there, almost like a like what's that new soccer show um, on Apple TV that everyone keeps talking about? Like the oh, te- Ted Lasso. Yeah, Ted Lasso, like something oh, like that, then uh, nah, but. I think it's like I think Lasso I, in real life. Yeah, exactly. But I think they're doing it the right way. I think they know what they're doing. And I think we're definitely gonna see that team like at least move up a couple a couple leagues within the next three, four years. I, I yeah, think. right. Because the difference at that level, like that little bit of investment or interest yeah. could be enough to to throw you up into that next rung. Now, yeah. how far that gets you, I mean, we'll see. I mean it's hard to know. I, one thing's that, you know, particularly probably because of what protagonist covers and the level of soccer that I deal with on a regular basis was there was this immediate and I mean, you could probably check my Twitter for some of that, but like reaction about this to say, like, why don't we see more people investing in the American system? And I think that, you know, I I, I have my perspective on that. And it's it, I think that it comes down to that the level of of investment required to get into the pro game is so high that again, most, most people don't have that, right? We're talking about the hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, even if you did have that, you probably don't want to put it on a soccer team. Right. Um, But on the other side of that, like at the lower levels, at the levels, let's say that we're talking about with, with Wexham, like there's no chance of ever moving up. Like there's, there's no chance. And like, I'm not, I'm not trying to derail this conversation into a pro rel conversation. I'd be happy to because oh. I, I love it, but I also want to be careful because uh, you know I am a guest here, so I want to be polite. But like, it comes down to like that is that is a thing that any investor looking at clubs would say. I don't know if I want to drop a big investment here, even if it's time and energy, uh, maybe not just money, but like maybe I don't want to drop that here because there's really no chance of me getting a return on it now. I push back on that a little bit because we've got some up and coming up and coming pro league in NISA right now. And if you're not following NISA, you're missing out. It is one of the most exciting leagues in the country and it is popping up all over the place there. Like it is, I mean, it's where Detroit city is right now. Everyone knows who Detroit city is. Like that is probably the biggest name. Oakland roots played a season there before they went to USL. I don't want to talk about them going to USL, but that's okay. I'll, I'll forgive them someday. <laughs> Maybe if I find it in my heart, I probably not. I'm not a good Christian. <laughs> um, but like, like, so that th- there's an example there, like we, Chattanooga FC, which is a great lower league club. That's really coming along. Like these are clubs that are building their way. Even the cosmos, like, and I know the cosmos are greatly diminished from people that know them from the sixties and seventies, but this is a team with a lot of pedigree that could be something big given the opportunity. Like this is a league that's up and coming and it is a league that if you wanted to invest in it, it wouldn't take 
millions of dollars to invest in and you could go a long way with your money real quick. And this is a league that's rapidly growing. So when people talk about, well, well, yeah, but they're not going to make their money back. Yeah. Well, they don't have to invest nearly as much money as it would take to purchase a club at a level that's a lot higher than this. So we're talking about like, you could probably invest a couple hundred thousand dollars and have a very successful club that is going to play a role in the third division of American soccer. And we don't know what the future holds. That particular league is already starting to build Nisa nation under it, which is going to be a, what appears to be some sort of promotion relegation going on. We're still, we're still learning about that. And then they're working with affiliate leagues underneath that to create feeder leagues into that league. That is effectively a functioning pyramid. It's now it's in its embryonic stage. It's very early on how that interacts with USL. I don't know how USL will someday interact with each other. Like within their leagues, we don't know, but I think there is great potential that if you come in now and really sink your teeth into this, build a community based fan connected club in a way, and I'll give credit to Oakland Roots, but we can go back again to those other clubs that are still in NISA when we talk about clubs like Detroit City, which have built partnerships with their fans to a level where the club is effectively known for its fans. If you did that right now, I don't know what the future holds for soccer in the United States, but if you wanted to bet on something, I would bet that you could see changes in the future that we don't know or can't imagine yet. I mean, why couldn't we start seeing a, I've always argued for, for those people to get into pro rel just for a second, but I've always argued like those people that are arguing that the federation should install promotion relegation. It's just not going to happen. And if you're waiting yeah. on that, like MLS is in, and I'm not, I'm not like, I wouldn't describe myself as anti MLS. I'm more sort of like mm, with MLS. Uh, but like if MLS is, it doesn't want that. It's just never going to happen. MLS got too much money and they're no. sitting at the top right now. And if you're, if you're an owner, why the hell would you want promotion relegation if you're an MLS? And so like I could hope and pray for it, but like, I also know that to me, hope and prayers don't go that far, but a lot of hard work can get you somewhere. And so I say, if you want promotion relegation, then you start it and club, the teams have already started this. If you look at the Cosmopolitan League in New York, if you look at Bay State Soccer League in Massachusetts, if you look at Maryland majors in the Maryland DC metro area, those are three and there's plenty more leagues that are already starting at a city level to start promotion relegation. Bay State runs four deep in their in their um uh, in their their league. Um Cosmopolitan I think runs three or four deep right now. Uh we're seeing these 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 leagues and Cosmopolitan's been around since like the 1920s. Like they've been around forever. Um that have done promotion relegation have continued to do that. What's already there, let's just keep building layers, moving up and eventually MLS goes, "Wow, that's really exciting." that is bringing a lot of people to come see what you're doing there. Yeah. Maybe we should start talking about talks and, and do I expect them to do it willingly and quickly? I do not. <laughs> I do not. Money moves slow. Like money don't money, money don't take orders from nobody. And when, especially when you're an NFL owner, especially, which a lot of these guys that are owning the, the old school MLS clubs are, are NFL owners. They're used to getting to getting their way and telling you what to do. That's not how soccer typically works, but, like it's how it works in the United States. And so I would argue like there is, there's place for investment in the system. Like you just got to find it and put your money where it is. That's a great point. And I think there is actually ways to make money in the lower league. If you guys, if, if they do it right. Um, I'm under the impression. Exactly. Um, I think 
in order to like ruffle MLS feathers, and like if you're like a lower league team, if you win the Open Cup, I think that's what gets people like, oh, because MLS wants to like market that. But if they can't market the full amount of teams and like a lower league teams in that, I think that's when the ball starts to roll. People ask questions like, how come this team, like, how come, you know, things like that. So, you know, when we start to look into lower league as a, a viable investment, we're going we're gonna to run up the bag, try to get a team that's going to do it right and uh, make some noise. Yeah, I think and I also think that um, lower league soccer is also a very good pathway for more minority ownership um, in the game. So, you know, it's, it's very hard to get into, you know, MLS franchise um, and shout out to um, Ken Griffey, who's recently joined the Sounders ownership group, along with uh, Russell Wilson and Sierra. And you have James Harden, Magic Johnson, Kevin Durant, yep. um, all black owners in MLS on the MLS level. But they're. They're not, you know, majority owners. They're just invested in the group, right? So, but you, but you're seeing on the USL level, you know, you have Charlie Davies who just announced today um, for a, a team. Was it Rhode Island or New Hampshire? Uh, New Hampshire League One. New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire. Okay. And then you have um, a bunch of guys in League One. You know, black owners. Um, you got uh, Demarcus Beasley in League One. You know, um, so we're starting to see a lot of it, a lot of that on the lower levels. Maryland Bobcats, who just jumped into Nissan, yep. jumping in, that, that they're they're minority owned. Jay owns that club, that and he is, and, and yep. it's amazing what they do. We had him on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are so ahead, man. Yeah, we show we show low these love out here. Those, those are homies, man. Those are <laughs> homies. Yeah, man. And then you know, two cents FC will will probably be a club at some point. Like wow. we, all right, we. Figuring it out, but I feel like that's I feel like it's it's inevitable. It's on the horizon with with the way the vision we have for two cent sports in general. I feel like that's just a it's a, a natural it. next step. Absolutely. Um, so love lo- love to see it. Um, so let's let's kind of switch gears a little bit again. We're gonna play a little game, um, a new game we have it's called okay. Crest Ratings, the spinoff of our our other show Kit Ratings. Um, but we're gonna. Talk about some new crests that were recently revealed this week. It's been, it's been kind of a busy week for um for new crests. Crest. So couldn't couldn't uh miss opportunity to talk about them, right? So first up right. we have Houston Dynamo and Houston Dash recently rebranded. Not rebranded, but kind of redone their crest. Um so on the left you see the old one and then the new one. So uh Dan, I'll, I'll get your get your thoughts on the the new look. I think I think if you get a you get rid of a soccer ball, you're already doing better. It doesn't matter what you do. Like we, the reason why you include a soccer ball is because people aren't smart enough, or you're not famous enough to for people to know you're a soccer club. So if you can get rid of the soccer ball, you've already stepped in the right direction. But haven't Dynamo? Um, so I, I see that they. So I kind of like this. The, to me, it looks like a beer logo more than anything else. Like yeah, if I just it looks like shot. a craft beer, maybe an IPA from Houston. But uh, maybe a smart play though. <laughs> why not right it's all about the the interconnection of branding and stuff right but i'm not a big fan of the interlocking letters personally i do like a shape that's not traditional and i know they went away from a shield and went to sort of this sort of uh just a different kind of geometric shape i'm for that because it's different and so i cool that and i do like at some level and i've heard i've heard fans of woso argue this why can't they have the same logo like you're part exactly. of the same organization why do you need a different logo 
And I think that's interesting to me, like, because I, I don't think you need to have two different. You're, you're still like you should be branded the same. You should have the same name. You're part of the same organization, which is something yeah. that we see. Right. We see that in England. Right. If you're playing for Manchester United, you play for Manchester United. That's who you play for. Anyway, yeah. I, li- I, I like the, the I think the franchise system kind of makes that kind of messes that up a little bit with NWSL being a separate franchise based league. And then you got to get started being... with that. Get started on it. <laughs> oh, and let's let's back up really quick. I forgot to introduce our rating system. So oh, here on the oh, show we have a rating I, system. Okay. Um, fire, mid, trash. So we'll be rating these logos based or these crests based on that system. So Dan, um, you've kind of given your your I thoughts on is, it, but I think this is give fire. us your rating. I think, I, I'd say it's fire. Ooh, I think it's good. Fire, huh? I think okay. it's good. Uh, I'm going mid. Um, I like the dash one a little bit more, more but um, yeah, I'm going mid. All right, I'll go, I'll say mid borderline fires, like a fire that was just put out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I like, I like the deviation. (laughs) I like that it's not traditional. And I actually like the interlocking, um, the interlocking letters. I I think that'll look dope on a hat. So like from a branding perspective and kind of like a, you know, thinking about merch, thinking about like cross branding deals, like you mentioned, it looks kind of like a craft, craft beer logo, like, you know, cross branding and stuff like that i feel like it it it, it bows well for that that kind of lane i'm just so. happy the soccer balls are gone that's a big that's a big plus <laughs> that was, you was you was not rocking with the soccer I, balls. you should never do that ever yeah i'm so i'm interested to see what their kits look like next year if they can kind of if they can create some some they had really a good, they had a good look last go season I, I like that yeah. i like the look or this season huh. i guess it looks pretty good yeah, so if they can if they can do well with the kits, I think it'll it'll take it over the edge. But I give it a mid. So next up we have Louisville City. Um, so on the left we have their old, their current look, their current crest, and then the one they attempted to rebrand earlier this year to major backlash. And then we have you know the new crest that was done by uh, Matt Wolf. And I like Matt Wolf. I feel Matt real Wolf. bad here because I love Matt. I think he does good work, but. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. This doesn't do anything for me. Like, what's new about this from the original? What, you got rid of that weird circle? I I, I don't like it. I, I, I guess trash. It's not uh, creative. What, what, what are the, um, the, like, the clove things? What are those supposed to be? Oh, the, 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 the fertility. I think it has to do with the city flag, right? Or something like that? Yeah. So is there a specific like reason that. why it's I mean, maybe it's French. I mean, it's has to do with like it's, French culture and stuff, right? Is, is Louisville along the um, the Mississippi? I, yeah, I, I think it is. Okay, so I think it's part of like that that Louisiana purchase. So like all of those cities kind of have like St. Louis has them, um, Louisville oh, has them, okay. you know, New Orleans has them, obviously. Yeah. So I think it's related to like the the French French's you know past ownership of that land. Okay. Um, uh, it's all right. I mean, it's better than the previous ones. So I got to give it mid. Yeah, and I feel bad too. Then, like you know, Matt like Wolf, Matt. he's like he's a he's the go-to guy in the game. But nah, it's all right. I'm kind of tired. It's just boring. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not, I'll, I'll I'm not rocking mid. a shirt with that. <laughs> yeah, I say mid as well. Um, I know they went tied in with the, uh, the racing Louisville logo, so kind of unifying those two brands a little bit more as well. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's it, it's clean. It works, um, but it's not compelling you know it's exactly it's just, it's just a nice solid 
soccer logo you know i mean like, i think it's cleaner but to me it's like <laughs> it's like it's like i'm glad your underwear don't stink but you got streaks in them still it's still ugly so like i don't like i just i think it's a little better but it ain't there like i think that i think this should have gone back and like done this one more time i think he could have done a better job and like i said matt does great work and i am not oh. i mean i know i'm trashing his work here but like i also know he's working for somebody whenever he does his job so um what people yeah. want is what you give them for sure all right. Yeah. I've interviewed Matt, by the way. I should say. <laughs> yeah, I rock with this one. Last but not <laughs> least, we have the newcomer to the soccer world, Appalachian FC. They just released um, their logo and everything, I think, yesterday, right? Yep. Um, so they'll be starting this next year. That's how you make a name for yourself. Right. So they're based out of Boone, North Carolina, so Appalachian Mountain Country. Um, what'd you say, Dan? Well, this is this is near and dear to my heart, man. They're playing the NPSL, so I cover this league. So I better be nice and careful what I say here. Um, I, so it, here's what I will say about so so if I saw this logo or this this crest in England, I'd be like, this is trash. However, it is so American, right? That's the the beauty of this thing. Like it embraces American and and like it is like it's a representation of like American soccer culture, which is like like the, the best clubs are the quirky clubs and they have these things about them that are just like sort of tie them locally like you're telling me you're not going to sell a hundred shirts with that logo on it like pe people will buy this and I say a hundred that's a lot for a lower league club so yeah I'm, I'm saying that. so thousands of these shirts and hats they sold like, out like I, I'd wear that on a hat. Like I'd wear that on a hat for in a sure. heartbeat, right? Like, like that's a that's a good looking logo. I love the use of yellow and black. I've always felt good about that when it comes down to, you know, when I think about like Columbus, I've always liked Columbus's logos, um, in the in MLS. But like, I think it's solid. Uh, I'm not. I will say I'm not big on I'm not big on mascots, but I like mascots that are connected to clubs, but not the name of the clubs, right? So if you call this like Sasquatch FC, I'm not supporting Sasquatch FC, but this is Appalachian mm -hmm. FC. So you can have like this, which is kind of cartoony. In a couple of years, you could do a rebrand where it's much cleaner. It's got mountains in it. And it's Appalachian Football Club. Like there's a lot of ways you can go with this in, in from a marketing perspective, but you've also tied, and I know, I don't know if you saw the, the release of this logo, but they were even like, they had like a guy I dressed up like in. a Sasquatch, right? Yeah, it's pretty good, pretty yeah. good. I like that. What'd you think of it, Amobi? No, I like it a lot. I think there's a good way to like come into the gates, come out the gates strong. Um, I like the potential for cross branding with that logo. Like you said, like you walk it on a hat. I feel like you can like connect with like the local uh, um, beer companies or something like that. Yeah, that's that's a beer. Like, that'd be on a yeah. beer bottle in a heartbeat. Yeah. I feel like people Bigfoot that. Uh, yeah, I feel like people. It has to exist. I feel like people that. Um, that may not be into soccer, but are from that region, they definitely rock with it. So, um, yeah, I, I think they did a great job. So, what are you, what are you guys' ratings? It's oh, fire. sorry, My, yeah, it's fire, it's fire. Okay, it's fire. yeah, I'm gonna give it a fire too. Like, I think it's super dope. Um, I like the tie-in to like the Appalachian Mountains and like the whole Bigfoot, you know, mythology that that's tied into that area. So, yeah. I think it works really, really well. Um, yeah, yeah, the having the mascot, I think it's tight. It works well. Um, yeah, and I, and I just like I like crests that aren't just like circles or you know like a shield. Like it's it's, it's still different. It has that oval. Like that's another reason why I like New Amsterdam's logo or their their crest because it's like a nice oval shape. It's it's different. 
So I really like that as well. You know, on that idea, man, I want to, I want definitely want to respond to that, L. That there is the the kit game, the crest game, like potential like marketing in lower league soccer is alive and well. Like it is exploding. You will find some of the most creative kits. Like if you look at clubs like MPLS City, I don't know if you're familiar with those guys out in Minneapolis. Yeah. Like their kits are fire, man. They're always the best looking. The Crows just do like they do kits well. And you know, you mentioned New Amsterdam. That was a club that like off the bat, man, they knew what their marketing was going to be and they crushed it from the beginning. Like you got to love that. And like that is one of the advantages of being your own boss. And that's the difference between, you know, we talked about that franchise model and MLS and the way MLS does these like sort of single unit sales with like Adidas. And so like everything is very parsed. It's very careful. There's nothing like incredibly exciting or, you know, like they, they, they shoot for that middle ground. They want like, remember when all those white, 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 uh, white shirts came out last, was that two years ago, yeah. I think so bad, but like, it comes down to like the creativity of the lower of lower league soccer is that you get things like Appalachian football club, which like really embraces, you know, the local area ties to it and can really let themselves go because they don't have, you know, a league executive leaning over their back saying like, Hey, that doesn't fit in with the, best of the league, man. No, that's a great yeah, point. Sure. And um, like we had a, uh, Kristen talk about that you talked about it earlier just embracing being American within your logo and marketing I think that's really important so uh, great points that you made yep so I think that's a wrap for our topics today Moby will yeah. take us home yeah so Dan thank you so much for joining the podcast I felt like I mean we could probably break a record I think we already broke a record but I feel like we can yeah we did break a record hour. it's our longest show for <laughs> sure so, <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's good. That's, that means that we just vibe out. So where can the people find you if they're looking for you? Uh, where can they tap in? Yeah, sure. So obviously check me out at Soccer Barista on Twitter. That is where I live. That's me personally. If you're looking for our brand at Protagonist Soccer, excuse me, at Protagonist USA, as I explained before. Uh, we also have an at Protagonist Pods, which is our podcast handle. We get all our information about our podcasts as they come out. We're on every major streaming. If you're looking for our podcast, uh, we have several podcasts that come out. We have Protagonist Weekly, which is a weekly podcast, obviously. And we also have the Knights Who Say Nisa, which is a Nisa-only podcast. But we also do some other things. Um, we're always pushing the podcast. It's, it, I think it's like a natural, like really awesome way to connect with uh, grassroots soccer in a real way and our fans fans connect us there and of course protagonistsoccer.com that's the home base for everything we do at protagonist soccer and guys i just want to say thank you so much for having me on and i oh, know boy. i talked a lot it's uh it's you, advised, put a microphone, you put a microphone in front of me i'm gonna talk man i can't help myself no, no that was it's a advised, pleasure man. man enjoy having you on man Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And I, I hope that we can we can make a time and you guys can get on one of our shows because I, I'd love our listeners to hear you guys and, and really connect with your show because uh, it's great. I've loved watching some of your older episodes. You guys are fantastic. Love your interviews. Sure. Love your guests. You guys nail it. Thank you. Respect. Respect. So you guys heard it here. It. Uh, you can find them anywhere. But that's our show for this week. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at twocentsports.shop. It helps support the show. As you can see, L is rocking the hat. And tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or L to discuss. That's it. Once again, hope you guys liked it. Peace out. Oh, peace out. Thank you.